Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Thursday, December 17th. 2020. This is Shannon. And once again, I'm in like a time warp because I'm talking in 2020 and you will not be hearing it until 2021. It's a little distressing to me. Anyway, I'm here with Kristen, Sarah, Stacy, Brooke, and Natalia. And we are doing our first episode of 2021 and our first monthly picks. So we have collected a pretty great selection of January releases that we'll be telling you about. Um, We're going to do the housekeeping information, and then Brooke will start things off, followed by Stacy, me, Sarah, Kristen, and last but never least will, of course, be Natalia. So here we go with the housekeeping information, and then you'll be hearing from Brooke. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So my first pick for today is The Wife Upstairs by Rachel Hawkins, and it comes out on January 5th. So this book is about a woman named Jane. And Jane, she has had a bit of a hard life. She, um, she was in foster care. Um, she just kind of grew up rough. Well, right now she is when at least when the book starts, she is a low-paid dog walker, which I think is pretty <laughs> cool. I want to be a dog walker. And she walks dogs in in a very, very high-class area. So it's called Thornfield. I can't remember what the second word in it is. It's like states or something. Yeah, something like that. I can't remember. We'll call it it Thornfield States or something. It's something similar. So she's um, a dog walker there. And she's kind of gotten by by using her wits. So she she feels that her like um, the people that she works for, they're well off enough that they're probably not, probably not going to miss the jewelry that they had lying around. So she's just gonna take it. <laughs> oh my god, that's fine. Because <laughs> you know, you know, that's what we all do. And so she kind of gets by by doing these things. And then she meets Eddie. 
And Eddie is like a very mysterious man. And he lives in Thornfield. And he is a well-off man. And what we know about Eddie is that his wife um, has gone missing or died. We don't really know. And she they she was lost on like a what's called a boat like a boat trip with one of her friends so they've gone missing or they're they're presumed dead we're not really sure and jane has met ed um eddie and she's totally enthralled by this guy he's dark and mysterious he's well off and she just thinks that he could really get her to where she wants to be so her and Eddie, they begin to fall in love, but Jane can't really stop thinking about his wife and like what happened. And also just, can she like, can she really meet up to the standards that be, if that's what the guy, the woman's name is in the book, um, what, um, can she hold up to like the standards that she set? Cause B has gone from rich from rags to riches. And she started out um, a very like wealthy um, or well known business. It's like a Southern lifestyle kind of business. And she's done really well for herself. And Jane just sees herself as plain Jane. And she just really doesn't know if she can live up to the, like the standards that B has set. So this book has been kind of compared to Jane Eyre. Um, I, as far as I can tell, it seems to be like a, almost a little bit of a retelling or maybe even a full retelling. I don't totally know. It's just kind of things that I saw in the reviews. And it also has been said to be good for people who really like, um, what's her name, Miranda. Um, oh, Megan Miranda. Megan Miranda. Yeah, Megan Miranda and um, B.A. Paris. So those are, um, those are two kind of authors that these books, this book has been compared to. So this book, I'm really looking forward to. Like, it looks so good. So it's The Wife Upstairs, and it's by Rachel Hawkins, and it comes out on January 5th. Jane Eyre, if Jane Eyre were a thief... Yeah, I guess so. Yes. So I'm interested in this book. I almost um, put it down on my list, Brooke, and then I wasn't sure. Um, I I know people have strong feelings about Jane Eyre and some of the. um, I've only read retellings of Jane Eyre. Like I read um, the Jane Steele by Lindsay Fay. Oh yeah, I like Uh Jane, but I haven't read Jane Eyre like the actual. So this year I fell in love with an author who um, I'm really happy that she's burst upon the romance scene. But what makes me a little unhappy is um, I discovered her uh, when she only had two books written. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of backlist for me to go back and, you know, get lost in. But happily for me, her third book comes out on January 26th. And that is Flirting with Forever. Forever Yours, Forever Yours, number three, by Cara Bastone. I'm excited to read her. And I love her books. They're very smart and they're very, um, they're just the, the pacing and everything is really great. So I'm really excited about this one. Uh, 
I was caught by the first line of the synopsis, which is sometimes you get a second chance at a first impression. Mm. And I know. And how often have you wanted a second chance to make a first impression? I do. Uh, I do a lot. All the time. Um, right. So this book is about Mary. And if you've read, um, if you've read Cara Bastone's other books, then you know that Mary is um, a secondary character and a close friend of some of the, the people, some of the main characters in the first couple books. And Mary is um, back in the dating pool in her mid thirties. And so she's feeling a little out of her depth here. You know, things have changed since she was dating last. And one of the customers in her that comes to her uh, boutique wants to set her up on a blind date with her son. And Mary kind of reluctantly agrees to this, like, okay, here we go. And when she meets Mr. John Modesto Whitford, she decides <laughs> that, you know, at least he's good looking and everything. So dinner can't be so bad. And it's not. Until John makes a very unfortunate comment about Mary's age. Oh, dear. Oh, yes. And John is, bye he bye, wants to, John. I know. So I hope that she gave him the dressing down that he so richly deserved. But is he younger um, or older? I don't know the answer to that question. What I do know is that he wants to be nothing like his father. And so he's a public defender. But he has difficulty. He's socially awkward and his filter is a little Clearly. questionable. Clearly. <laughs> and so he feels as though he has like lost the chance to be with Mary, who he is quite interested in. But through the machinations of his mother, oh Mary and John are tossed together throughout the summer. And after a while, they begin to kind of form a friendship that might deepen into something more if they can both quit being so stubborn. Mm. Now, based on this description, I don't know, um, you know, if this were my first book, I'd be like, oh yeah, that sounds like a contemporary romance. But based on the other two books that she's written, I know that this is going to go deeper than just like, you know, he made a comment and she got pissed and walked away. Um, Cara Bastone is just really amazing at crafting um, characters that feel like they could come sit down with you and have a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and that, you know, really feel authentic. And um, just for the first two books in this series, her pacing and everything was perfect. Um, her sex scenes were actually sexy. Like she's just a really, really wonderful author. So I cannot wait to read um, Flirting with Forever. Forever Yours, book three by Cara Bastone. And again, it comes out on January 26th. And I can't wait. I need to read her books there. I bought the first one. It's sitting like on my phone right now, waiting for me to read it. I just, I, don't, <sighs> I need to. You'll love it. I promise you. I know you and I know you will love it. And the second one is just as good. So yeah. And so in usual Shannon fashion, I take us from romance to, to death. disaster. <laughs> Kind of death. <laughs> like death will will play a part, but anyway, it, this is not like a romance adjacent novel. This is the Children's Blizzard, and it <laughs> is the latest novel by Melanie Benjamin. It comes out on January twelfth. 
And this is based on a true story. And so when she was researching this, she found a bunch of interviews and like oral histories from survivors of this particular disaster. So this is set in 1888 in the Dakota Territory. And they are having an unseasonably warm winter. So in January, a group of children leave their homestead and head off to school without their heavy winter clothing. Oh, no. And this is a very bad thing for them because just around the time when schools are usually let out, there comes a huge and terrible blizzard. And so now you have these school teachers all across the prairie who have to figure out what to do. Like, do they keep all these students inside the various schoolhouses where eventually, like, they will freeze to death when the fuel runs out to keep things warm? Or do they send them home and hope that they don't get lost in the snow? So we follow a couple of people. Two of them are sisters and both young school teachers. One of them becomes a hero in this situation and the other is kind of ostracized. We also follow a young servant girl who manages to survive the blizzard. And this is sort of a turning point in her life. And we follow a journalist who is kind of responsible for bringing a bunch of immigrants to the prairie under kind of false pretenses. And so now he's trying to find a way to redeem himself. And he thinks maybe if he's able to write up something meaningful about this whole storm, like maybe this will kind of help people view him in a more favorable light. So this is a story of courage and redemption. I really like Melanie Benjamin. She wrote a book a couple of years ago um, called The Girls in the Picture, which was about Hollywood kind of at the very beginning of its heyday. So she's just done some really great stuff and I'm very, very excited for this. Um, It is The Children's Blizzard by Melanie Benjamin and it comes out on January 12th, which is the day that the actual blizzard hit. January 12th, 1888. Yes. I don't know if it would be a Sarah book. You you let me know how many children are harmed in the making of the story. (laughs) No, I don't think it's a it's a Sarah book. I'm pretty but sure. But do you know what might be a Sarah book? A lot what of just things. might. Well, how about we enjoy the view? Ah. Or we'll talk about enjoy the view. Enjoy the view. Moose Springs, Alaska, book three, written by Sarah Morgenthaler. I hope I said that right. Um, this is a new to me author. Um, I saw this book and thought it looked interesting. And she's kind of been on my radar a little bit. Um, I've I've got a couple of her books on my um, TBR list. And this book is the third in a series. I don't know if they are standalones or not, but this is what I know. River Lane, who was a up and coming Hollywood darling, has kind of fallen out of favor uh-oh. And she is hellbound and determined to prove that she can make something of herself. And so she decides to go behind the camera instead of in front of it and film a documentary about the quirky little town of Moose Springs, Alaska. Problem is, the residents of Moose Springs, Alaska don't really appreciate that she's there. 
cool. shoving cameras in their faces. I'm just adding that part. It doesn't really say that, but shoving cameras <laughs> in their faces and, you know, being intrusive and messing with their, their flow and their jam. Um, she's probably obnoxious to them, but then comes in Easton Luckett. He may be a gentle giant, but he's also a grumpy mountaineer. And he is hell-bent and determined to keep her safe while she's, like, irritating everyone, including him. And, like, her camera crews are about ready to fall off cliffs, and she's just kind of, like, not afraid of anything. And he's got to kind of keep them all together while they, like, climb up this mountain to film this, this documentary. And, of course, you know, I'm sure that, like, the view of her climbing the mountain doesn't really upset him very much. But the problem is, while they're out filming this documentary up on this mountain, bad weather, so probably not the children's blizzard, but bad weather comes in, and Easton has to get all of them home while the two of them fall in love. So this is um, Enjoy the View, Moose Springs, number three, by Sarah Morgenthaler, coming on... January 19th, I think this might be just the perfect read um, for the end of January when we are all sad because it's cold and snowing. And even though it's a cold and snowy book, it sounds like it might be a book that will make us smile. So pick it up and let me know. So my first book is called Wings of Ebony. Wings of Ebony book one by J-L-E-L-L-E. And this caught my attention because this is about a a um, African American teenager in Houston, and um, she is half God, half human. Um, but she lives in Houston with her mom and sister, and they live in a. Um, predominantly black neighborhood and uh eventually she is taken away by a father that she's never known to the island where of magic where the the gods train in their magic and all of that she but she's the only um like half and half person there um so she she's whisked away to this island to a life she's never known and then before she's taken away her mother is killed in their neighborhood and she has to kind of learn a new life she's forced to leave her younger sister behind which she doesn't like um and then on the anniversary of her mother's death she um defies the law of leaving the island and going back to the human world to see her sister. And when she gets back to see her sister, um, the, the neighborhood is, you know, falling into crime and, um, what I am kind of gathering to be like gang related stuff. And her sister is kind of being forced into that life to survive. And she's, you know, she doesn't like this. So she has to figure out how to um, save her sister and her neighborhood from all of this crime and violence um, that I'm assuming is created by some gods that are not thrilled 
Um, and so she's having to depend, she's got to figure out which side of her she's going to lean towards. Is she going to use her magic to save her neighborhood or, you know, how is she going to do all of this? So this looks really good to me on several levels because uh, at least for me, I have not seen very many books where the main character, especially in magic, um, in like fantasy magic type things is, is a person of color. Um, I know there are books with it out there, but this is, this is the first one that I've seen that really caught my attention and kind of blends the, the two worlds of that whole gang violence and crime with the world of, of gods and goddesses that may be able to solve those problems. So I'm looking forward to this. Once again, this book is Wings of Ebony, Wings of Ebony, book one by J.L., that's E-L-L-E, and it comes out on January 26, 2021. This did look really good. I was glad that you picked it. So the first book I'm looking forward to in January, I'm sure everybody can guess who it's by because I talk about her every year, except this time this is a standalone so you won't hear me preaching about how you must read the books in order although i you must read books in order it's it's definitely a, uh, something that needs to be done but not this but one not this one this is a standalone which is great because we haven't had a standalone from this author in a while and her standalones have always been stellar plus if you don't want to commit to a series yet you've got the standalone and what is this book i am raving about before telling you the title before she disappeared by lisa gardner one Yay. thing i love about this author is that her books take place in boston i used to live in boston when i discovered her and i loved hearing about familiar suburbs that i visited on the regular restaurants that i ate at it was just cool because it was a book that was true to the city i was living in which is an amazing thing so this is a thriller featuring an ordinary woman and Lisa Gardner writes thrillers about ordinary people that do very strange things. It kind of scares me wondering who's around me. <laughs> um, so this ordinary woman is searching for people that the rest of the world have forgotten. Her name is Frankie Elkin. She's middle-aged. She's a recovering alcoholic. And she has more regrets than belongings. Does this sound like Girl on the Train or what? Kind of. But she spends her life doing what no one else will. She searches for missing people that no one else is looking for. Like when the police gives up, when the case grows cold, when the trail goes cold, but in an unofficial capacity. Oh. When the public no longer remembers, when the media has not paid attention, Frankie's there to start looking. So now she has a new case that she's participating in, and it's in Matterpan. It's in a neighborhood called Matterpan. It's in Boston, Massachusetts, and it has a rough reputation. Who is she looking for? A teenage, a Haitian teenager named Angelique Bordeaux, who vanished from her high school months earlier. Oh. She receives a lot of resistance from the Boston PD and even from the victim's family. They're very wary about her and her motives, I guess. And so she realizes that she's on her own in her search 
this is like my catnip runaway teenager with mystery mystery mysterious family police not wanting to investigate i love this stuff oh yeah but it seems like she's asking questions that someone somewhere doesn't want answered but frankie will stop at nothing to discover the truth even if it means that the next person will go missing could be her or rather the next person who will go missing could be her because then she'll know the answer huh well she will and if I know Lisa Gardner, this is not something as simple as human trafficking gone wrong or any of the other plots that we're thinking about. So I highly, highly, highly encourage you to read Before She Disappeared by Lisa Gardner. And if this sounds so good to you that you cannot wait till it comes out, read The Good Daughter. Another standalone, one of my oh, favorites. Oh, The Other Daughter, ever, ever, yes. Ever. Or The Other yes. Daughter, sorry. The Good Daughter is by Karen, uh, Karen, Karen Slaughter. Slaughter. Which you should also read, because it's excellent. A lot, you but... should. Excellent, but not what I was recommending here. I've just been reading so much Karen Slaughter lately that all her titles are in my head. So before she, di- before she disappeared, comes out on the wonderful date of January 19th. 2021. Excellent. Okay, so the next book that I'm going to talk about is In the Garden of Spite. I love by that title. Yeah. Camilla Bruce. And it comes out on January 19th. Ooh. So similar to Shannon's book, this is actually a true story. And this is about one of the most notorious serial killer women um, in America. So in Chicago, men, they take their fortunes, their wishes, and their hopes to the widow of Laporte. And nobody ever sees them again. Then, if we go to Indiana. So I'm not really sure how these relate. But then we go to it. We start talking about Indiana. And people in Indiana, they think they have an idea of what's going on. But if they knew what Bella, or Belle, sorry, what Belle Gunness has gone through, and what she has lost, and what she has taken from her, then she thinks that they would understand. So she feels that as a woman, it's her right and her kind of, I guess, mission to take what's hers and to make her life what it needs to be, however it needs to be. She feels that she needs to do this because she needs to bring herself from her poor beginnings to a life that she feels she deserves. And that is all I can tell you guys. And it sounds like a freaking good book. I am pretty excited. So this is In the Garden of Spite. And it is by Camilla Bruce. And it comes out on January 19th. And I will definitely be looking for it or knocking on Shannon's texting and asking her (laughs) to help me find out where I can get it because maybe she will know. You never know. I might know. You have no idea how much I want to keep this for myself. 
because <laughs> maybe maybe you will know that it will be on Kindle, and I just won't know that. So it's true. Yeah. I will be asking uh, questions. I am so excited about this book. This book this sounds book really looks really so, interesting. So good. I'm excited about my next book because I haven't talked about historical fiction in like 50 years, which is what 2020 felt like in length. (laughs) I think I talked about like one historical fiction all year that I recall, and that was The Black Swan of Paris. So when I looked at the synopsis of this book, I got really excited. And this book is called Our Darkest Night, and it's by Jennifer Robson. And I do love her books so very much, and especially her books about... um, well, she wrote a great series about World War One that I'm blanking on the, the name of the series right now. Uh, the Great War. I can't. But anyway, those, it's those... something about the Great War because it's like somewhere in France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paris. Yeah. Yes. Um, and this book uh, is interesting to me because it takes place in Italy during World War Two. And I feel like I have not read many books that take place in Italy. So this is about Antonina who will henceforth be called, I know, who will henceforth be called Nina. And Nina is Jewish and she lives with her parents in Venice. And in the fall of 1943, things are getting very tense for the Jewish people who live in Italy. And there's more deportations, there's more people being sent to concentration camps. And so in order to save herself, um, she doesn't think that she can make it out over the mountains and, and, you know, get away that way. So she comes up with a different plan. She's going to marry a man that she's just met as one does. And she is going to pretend to be the Christian wife of a Christian farmer. Mm-hmm. And as so one does. Oh. as one does. <laughs> and so she travels with Nico who she's just met. And Nico is um, I think he's going to be a very interesting character. He was um, in the seminary. He was studying to be a priest. So, and he's very moral, very just, And when the Nazis moved in to Italy and began, you know, there were so many injustices. So Nico is very distressed by the way that the Jewish people are being treated in Italy. And he wants to do his part to help. And so one way that he is committed to helping is to marry Nina, to keep her safe. And so Nina moves with Nico to his farm. Now, Nina is a city girl. She wants to be a doctor like her father, and she is doing her best, but really struggling with adjusting to farm life. And, you know, the the neighbors, they just don't really know what to think of this soft-spoken and very educated young woman who Nico has brought home to his farm. And, you know, there's some suspicion. Um, there's a Nazi officer in the area who does not like Nico and does and is doing his best to sort of I guess, bring him down. And so they have to, you know, kind of pretend to be this loving couple during all this strife in the midst of World War II. And this book looks really good to me and I'm really excited to read it. I love, I don't even know if this would actually be like a marriage of convenience type story, but like, you know, I've always been very interested in people who have to like have these marriages for very specific reasons and you know this marriage is to keep nina safe from going to a concentration camp and i find that very fascinating um and it does say that this is based on a true story so this again i know so hopefully it has a, a good ending you know with historical fiction you never quite know but i trust jennifer robson this again is 
Our Darkest Night is by Jennifer Robson, and it comes out on January 5th. Yay! And I'm actually surprised that Shannon shared this book with me because I know how much Shannon likes Jennifer Robson. Oh, yes, I do. And so um, you must have had a really good, like, third uh, book that you were choosing if you were able to, or a couple books that you were choosing. I was pretty lucky this month. There was a lot of stuff that I was, like, really excited about. So I could give you this and the uh, (laughs) spite book. And Natalia, the Lisa Gardner. Oh, yes. You know, I, I could be nice like that. On the subject of all the books that I'm excited about, this one I think is my favorite, or I'm hoping it'll be my favorite. It's the one I'm the <laughs> most excited about for this month. So this is The Yellow Wife, and it is by Sadiqua Johnson. I am actually attending the virtual launch for this book on January 12th. So I'm very excited about that. And this is another book that's kind of based on history. I don't know if this particular woman is um, was a real person or if she's kind of a like mashup of a couple of people who, who existed. But this is at least based in part on historical events. So this is the story of Phoebe. And she was born into slavery on a plantation And all of her life, she has been promised her freedom when she turns 18. And somehow, like, she believes that this is true. She has no reason to think that this would be a lie. But when she turns 18, she is not actually freed. Instead, she is taken to the most notorious slave jail in the South. And it is called Devil's Half Acre. And it is a terrible, terrible, terrible place. And every day, people are killed there. People are bought and sold. Their lives Ooh. are just basically, like, they're just kind of used as, as pawns in the machinations of all these people who run this terrible place. Um, and so this is basically her kind of story of what she does to survive in this place and how she has to come to terms with the fact that not only was she not freed, but that her circumstances worsened from the time when she was a child. So this is The Yellow Wife by Sadiqua Johnson. And this is an author that I had not heard about until I started researching for um, this episode. And it turns out she has a few other books that she's written that I'm pretty eager to check out. Her audiobook narrator seems to be Robin Miles most of the time, oh, and I, I really her. like her. So this comes out on January 12th, and I am very, very excited for it. Oh, this sounds like it's going to be a very um, tough read. Um, yes. But one that I think, I, I think I may have to check this one out. I have a confession to okay. make. I saw the name Ilona Andrews and (laughs) dove on the book without even looking at the synopsis because everything that Ilona Andrews touches, they make it into gold. And so I didn't even look at the synopsis. I just said, Shannon, I must talk about whatever this Ilona Andrews book is. And I literally just looked at the synopsis while sitting here during the podcast 
and almost levitated out of my chair and had to bite my lip to keep from screaming because blood air Aurelia Ryder book one by Alona Andrews takes place friends in the Kate Daniels world. And it is about Kate Daniels heir, Julie Leonard. Yay. Julie, how Julie, can this be about Julie if it's well, about Aurelia Ryder? I'm going I'm to very tell you. By this. Okay. Well, I will tell you. So Julie left the magical city of Atlanta, you know, which is a kind of post-apocalyptic place where magic is very unstable and monsters live amongst the skyscrapers. And she left eight years ago to kind of discover herself. You know, Julie's always had like this. She just needs to find herself. She's kind of a fiery person. She had kind of a rough start in life. This is not talked about in the synopsis, but her mother um, was not always good to her. And so I think she just really needed to leave to find herself. Well, she's back, friends, eight years later with a new face and new magic. Holy crap. And she's come back because there are all these murders in Atlanta and someone is targeting Kate Daniels. And Julie, who is now known as Aurelia Ryder, must come in and solve these murders and get out because you see, if her family finds out who she is, death could come to them. But the problem is she never thought that the one man that she loved, Eric, (laughs) well, I'm just saying it didn't say it in there, but I just know the one man that she loved could be her downfall. And that one misstep could kill all those who she loves. So they don't know who she is. And holy (gasps) crap it makes me want to read the whole kate daniels series over again just to get ready for blood air aurelia Ryder book one which comes out on january 12th and i'm really really trying not to fangirl right now and i'm not doing a very good job oh just fangirl for five seconds oh, just do it I, just God. do a little squee just do it <laughs> okay so my second book is called Cast in Firelight, Wickery, number one, by Dana Swift. This looks epically awesome. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, I almost so, took it for myself. Oh, I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> this looks like it's going to be all the things. I love royalty. I love arranged marriages. I like... Yes magic i like witches and wizards and all of that is here um and rivalry oh rivalry yes so there is a young lady and a young man that have been betrothed i'm guessing since they were children um it doesn't exactly say so the the girl she's she's a witch and she's um, she's ready to take the ceremony test and, you know, start really using her magic and, and going home and making a difference and 
you know, proving herself to her people. And then you have the young man who is a wizard and has mastered all nine colors of magic, whatever those may be. I'm hoping that they will tell us. And he is ready to return home for the first time since he was a little boy to, um, you know, to also lead his people and, and take his place. But they are betrothed and they have been in a kind of this rivalry for years, but fate has other plans as it usually does. And they have, you know, they, they pretty much know that their coming together is non-negotiable, but it's not going to be anything sweet. But then the criminal underbelly of the young lady's um, home starts to come out and it's making a vi- a, you know, a, a play for control of Wickery. And they're going to have to come together. They're going to have to figure out how to work together to, um, to save their people and to, to make this work, uh, to save their, their country. I guess Wickery would be like a country. Um, and so it's, you know, they're, they're not really sure they adopt secret identities. So that at the first they when they're, you know, start to work together, they're not really sure who the other is. Um, because the reunion hasn't happened yet, but then they're going to have to figure out how to work together. And then I'm guessing they're going to figure out who each other are. And so they, they're trying to, they're going to have to figure out how to make their relationship work, how to be what they need to be for their people and to each other. And, you know, I'm really hoping that this is a enemies to lovers type of thing. Um, because I think it would be really cool to see, a, a witch and a wizard come together that are both at the top of their game because it, it pretty much seems that they both kind of mastered their magics um, and see what they can do for their people. So this, this looks really good. It looks like it's going to have all the things that is just going to make it an, a, you know, true epically awesome fantasy book. Um, so once again, this book is called cast in firelight. Wickery number one by Dana Swift, and it comes out on January 19th of 2021. Oh, so a little later in the month. Yes. So the next book I'm going to talk about is about the series that killed me this year. What do I mean by that? I mean that those books are so good. That I literally wrote to everybody I know, like, you have to read these now. It's coming out January 15th, 2021. And it is called Edge of Survival, a post-apocalyptic thriller. Book six. Be excited, people, because this means that you have five whole books and a prequel that you can read before this comes out. Amazing. And there's no cliffhanger in the fifth book, thank the Lord. So the wait, while agonizing, will not be excruciating. So what are the Edge of Survival books about? Or the Edge of 
post-apocalyptic thrillers about by they are by kyla stone i don't know did i say that no maybe not oh well kyla stone wonderful author writes about post-apocalyptic things one of which takes place in miami but that's not what we're talking about we're talking about these books this book is about an emp that happens in the united states of america is it an emp it is hold on Yes, an EMP, which is some sort of nuclear attack, nuclear attack that made all the technology stop working. Just imagine like every piece of technology you own, battery operated or not, wall plugged or not, stops working. We this wouldn't is, be able to have the podcast. Well, there's that. And, <laughs> you know, planes would fall from the sky. Uh, newer cars, like those smart cars would stop working. Oh, yeah, working. they wouldn't work. Um, heck, your water heater would stop working. I mean, there's just so many things that we use that are battery-operated that we don't Yeah, think let's about. not have that happen. Yes, hopefully never. But where our story starts, you'd have to start... These books, you do have to read them in order. Yes, I know I'm a stickler for order, but you'll be so lost if you don't. So the first book is called Edge of Collapse, and I'll summarize the first book so as to not spoil the sixth. And uh, Edge of Collapse, as I said, is about an MPP where all of a sudden everything goes dark, all the lights go away, all the power goes away, the planes fall, the cars stop working. But it's the best day of Hannah's life because Hannah is kidnapped. She has been kidnapped for five years in a basement. against her will but hannah has an advantage her captor uses technology completely to keep her captive like fluorescent lights automatic door locks and when everything goes dark all of that goes away so now hannah is free except there's a, a blizzard outside and she's hurt and she's pregnant. Oh, man. And then there's Liam, who is trying to get back to his homestead that he has because he's a former soldier and he had an idea that something like this would happen. And he finds Hannah on the way, alone and lost and pregnant, trying to get away from this captor that is now chasing her through the... I don't know, what do you call, like, the coldness? I, I know, like, desert, tundra. Sort of like the wilderness? The wilderness of Michigan, somewhere in Michigan. And he he needs to help this woman. He can't just in good conscience leave her. And, of course, she doesn't want to trust anybody because, as I said, she's just been held captive for five years. Oh, my God. I, I just don't have enough words. Like, the suspense is incredible. Um, the the seeing how people how not having necessities changes people Liam is like I want to be him when I grow up <laughs> so this is edge of survival edge of edge of series book six comes out January 15th and is by Kyla Stone and if you want to Take a peek and start in advance. Read the first five books, which I think you really should. Start with Edge of Collapse. Even if you don't like like zombies or anything like that, it, this is not what this is. If you like thrillers, this is for you. It's going to be 
a ride like one you've never had you're gonna be on the edge of your seat you're gonna not be able to sleep you're gonna be like me like between you know your work engagements you're reading just one sentence one sentence (laughs) that good i like books that good i need to read these i really do oh my god you do i don't know what you're waiting for so my last book is the captive and it is by fiona king foster and it comes out on January 12th. See, it's a good day. It's yeah, a great it day. Yeah, it's a good day. Because this book is really cool. So this book <laughs> is a little different. It's, um, it's called Rustic Noir. And I've Ooh, actually, I'm I've not sure that I've ever that. read any books from this genre. But it also has some dystopian feel to it. Because we are going to be like this book it's set in like a trying to think like a rural i don't know if it's kind of like a a state or something branched off or something from the united states and it's a very like rural place like they live on agriculture they don't really have a lot of technology It's, it's like almost like they're kind of going back in to the dark ages and the main character, which I'm very excited, her name is Brooke. Imagine and how that. upsetting is that? Because it's a beautiful name. I know. And there's not really that many books. Like I think I've read maybe one or two with that name, with my name. But I'm pretty excited. So our main character's name is Brooke. And she's got a secret. Her background, her family has no idea. Like, we don't, um, in the synopsis, we don't really know much about it. So her family knows nothing about it. um, But she's got a background that has given her some special skills. And one day, somebody from her past, a bad guy, comes and invades her farm. And she very expertly takes down the um, bad guy and she ties him up and then she decides that there's a bounty on this guy's head. So she's decided that her and her family are going to venture off to um, back to, I don't know if it's the United States or whatever, or like the bigger main area where she, and cash in on this bounty because she feels like once they get the money, that she'll be able to hide her family better. But her family doesn't really know why they're hiding. And they actually didn't even know that they were hiding. (laughs) And so this book takes us across. um, It starts out in the winter, and it's really rough, and they're not really ready for this traveling. But they're going to travel, and it's going to test their family bonds, and it's going to test her abilities like should about like keeping her secret and also whether she should admit her secret like all this stuff and that is really all I know but I am very excited about it because it looks really really interesting to me because just the whole idea behind it just sounds interesting to me so this is The Captive and it's by Fiona King Foster and it comes out on January 12th so I think we could use this for a book that takes place mostly or completely outdoors. It's true. 
In the last go round, I talked about a historical fiction novel that takes place during World War II. Yes. This time I shall speak of World War I or the Great War. The Great and I'm going to, War. Yes. And <laughs> I, I'm not sure Sorry. what's so great about it. However. Maybe it's like great, like in its in its scope. It's large. Like yes, not it's like a large great, like, war. Yeah, not like great, like fantastic, but great, I know. Like, it's just fun. It always makes vast. me kind of be like, huh, the vast war. So this is a new to me author, and I am really excited. This book is called Meet Me in Bombay, and the author is Jenny Ashcroft. Oh, and this, this book's book, so good. I know. And this book comes out on January 19th, and it is about Maddie Bright. And Maddie Bright has come from England to colonial India in 1913. And she's doing her best to adjust, but she's really struggling with the oppressive heat. And she's just trying to learn her way around. And on New Year's Eve, 1913, at the stroke of midnight, she meets Luke Devereaux and her life <laughs> has changed forever. At the stroke of midnight, she meets him? At the not stroke before of midnight. Not after? Okay. No, no at the stroke the of very midnight. stroke. Just after the stroke of midnight. So as she <laughs> meets him and the year changes, so do both of their lives. Okay. And so Maddie's very drawn to Luke. He's very charismatic. And he introduces her to Bombay. And, you know, they kind of have this great love affair. And it'd be really wonderful, except that her mother does not approve of this match and keeps trying to push a different man upon Maddie. Oh, dear. Well, during all of this tumultuous, you know, love affair things, um, we are also on the cusp of World War I. And Luke has to fight. But he makes no Maddie good. a promise. No good. But he makes Maddie a promise that no matter how many continents separate them, they will one day meet again in Bombay. So he knows that he has to return to her. But first, he has to remember who she is. Oh. Oh. And this, my friends, is all I know. But based on this alone, this looks like my favorite kind of sort of sweeping epic period piece of love and loss and war and hopefully a happily ever after for Luke and Maddie. So I'm very, very, very excited about this. This, again, is Meet Me in Bombay by Jenny Ashcroft, and it comes out on January 19th. So my last pick tonight is the newest novel by Melinda Lowe, who I've never read, but who's been on my radar for a really, really long time. So this is Last Night at the Telegraph Club, Ooh. and it comes out on January 19th. It is set in San Francisco's Chinatown in 1954 during the height of what is historically known as the Red Scare. So this is about Lily and she is a young Chinese American girl and she is not super interested in love. But then she meets Kathleen and together, she and Kathleen begin to frequent a place called the Telegraph Club. And from what I can tell from the synopsis, it's kind of, I guess, like a, a historical, like, lesbian bar. 
Um, but this is very dangerous. Like in the climate, people are very like anti-gay in the 50s, but they're also very anti-Chinese and anti-communist and I don't know, just anti a lot of things because people were kind of jerks. Well, sometimes they still are, but apparently they were <laughs> like even more so back then. And so Lily and Kathleen fall in love kind of against all of these odds. And now they have to figure out how to stay safe while allowing their love to grow. So this makes me happy. I'm always glad to see lesbian relationships portrayed um, historically because a lot of people like to kind of pretend that that didn't happen then only Wait, not it only started 75 no actually right. it started in 1996 <laughs> so this is last night at the telegraph club by melinda Lowe, and it comes out on january 19th and what i'm wondering is is it last night as in like yesterday night or last the night last as in night. like the like right. no more nights after this my final book is by an author that i've never read <laughs> but I've heard a lot about her. This book is called Not My Match, Game, Game Changer, book two. It's written by Ilsa Madden Mills. And it was described as a smart and funny romance. And um, this this synopsis was written in first person, which I really hate. I hate that. Yes. So um, we don't know that it's about a wide receiver, like one of the best wide receiver football players in the country. And somehow this girl who's homeless and a genius wanders into his penthouse and a homeless genius and a wide receiver. Yeah. Well, and she's a 24-year-old virgin, too. So this could either have... She doesn't make good choices. I mean, clearly. In in men (laughs) or in homes, I guess. So she goes to live with this football player, but, like, she meets these crazy guys online, and he's very concerned for her dating future. For even though he feels that he cannot have her because they are just friends. He wants to make uh-huh. sure that she's taken care of and he's going to be her matchmaker. And even if it kills him and makes him wildly jealous, he's going to accompany her on dates with men who are more appropriate for her and um, help her because they're just friends. As if it's going to work. So, it's, well, <laughs> I'm guessing it's probably like, you know, people who have someone else maybe go on their first date and hide across the room to make sure that the. <laughs> I mean, this I'm never happened to me. Said I'm never, speak, I'm never speaking of a personal experience, but um, you know, to make sure, you know, what if the guy's a creeper? You know, you need someone on your or the girl, but in this case, it's a guy. You need someone on your side. So, um, I it sounds like this wide receiver who might be the best in the country may think that he's not good enough for this girl, and that kind of premise always intrigues me. A little bit because I really like it when a hero has like some, you know, instead of just being like this perfect polished and I don't know because I haven't read the book, but this perfect polished, fantastic football player where everything comes easy. I kind of like it when people 
have like more of like a vulnerable side that um, it kind of, to me speaks of like Rosie Dannon and the roommate and how people, even like if they're supposed to be these amazing, like celebrity people have this underconfidence about them that we don't see on the outside and they don't think they're good enough for the person. And that friends is all I know. So again, this book is called um, Not My Match, Game Changer Book Two. And it comes out on um, a fantastic day, which is January 19th. So my final book is called The Frozen Crown. The Frozen Crown Number One by Greta Kelly. I'm guessing that Greta, is that right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because my voiceover says Greta. (laughs) But by Greta Kelly, and this comes out on January 12th. So this young lady has become leader of her country because of her devotion, it says, to her people. So I'm not really sure if, like, she's, like, if they choose royalty based on, like, family or if it's, like, you know. Some other way. Some other way. Um, but it says she she has earned the, the right to, to lead her people because of the devotion she has. She's a very young girl. Um, but there is a rogue emperor that wants to take over her land. Uh-oh. And he has brought together armies to enslave her people. And for several months now, she's been defending them. But there's just no way to keep this going and to win against the, the type of armies he is sending at her. So she decides to sail, sail to the south and ask Emperor Amund for his assistance. And um, so she's going to take to the seas, I suppose. And this says that she was raised in army camps. And so she's pretty good at navigating all the ins and outs of negotiations and the political side of things and getting her way. Um, but the life at court, you know, can be so different. There's the political side, there's the court intrigue. Yes. The court intrigue. Um, and that kind of threatens to, to, to buckle her. Um, so she wants, she's going to ask for assistance from the emperor to the South, but what people don't know about her is that she's a witch and she has a very strong magic ability that could very much hinder her, her reign, or it could very much help her people. It just all depends on, on how it all plays out and what fate has in store, but she's very devoted. Um, She's very smart, and hopefully with the emperors, the good emperors help, they can save her land and take this rogue emperor down. Um, This is going to be a duology, and so this is the first book, and I really want, I can't wait to see where this goes, because it looks like a lot of political craziness and a lot of court intrigue, which I like, and I really want to know how they... uh, how they choose their leaders. So this is called The Frozen Crown, The Frozen Crown Number One by Greta Kelly, and it comes out on January 12th.
Excellent. So, the next book I am going to talk about is by the author that wrote the book everybody should read. No matter your demographic, your ideas, what you think is true about what the media is saying and what they're not saying. Uh, Because what is better than an own voice book written by people who are actually affected by what the media is saying? This is the author of The Hate You Give. And this is a prequel of The Hate You Give, but it is being published after The Hate You Give. It's the first book that comes out out of all the books, January, that I'm talking about today, January 12th. It's called Concrete Rose, The Hate You Give, Zero. Now, if I was a Natalia who hadn't read these books, I would read this first, even though The Hate You Give came out before it. (laughs) That's just how my brain works, guys. So this book is about Black boyhood and manhood. So this book is takes place 17 years before the events of Hate You Give, the Hate You Give, in the neighborhood Garden Heights. And this is about Maverick Carter. And if there's one thing 17-year-old Maverick Carter knows, is that a real man takes care of his family. As the son of a former gang legend, Mav takes care of his family the only way that he knows how. which is dealing for the king lords with this money he can help his mom who works two jobs while his dad's in prison life's not perfect but with a fly girlfriend and a cousin who always got his has his back mav's got everything under control until maverick finds out he's a father oh so i wonder if like this is like when that when seven is born Yes, this is about um, Star's father. Right, but like, great. you know, like he had seven with mm-hmm. another woman. With and another so I wonder woman. if, right, yeah. so I wonder if this is. This is about seven. Okay. Mm-hmm. Suddenly he has a baby, seven, who depends on him for everything. But it's not so easy to swing dope, finish school, and raise a child. So no, when I he suppose gets... not. No, God, I'm done mm-hmm. with school and I don't even want to think about having a job like that. But when he gets a job that gives him the chance to go straight, he takes it. In a world where he's expected to amount to nothing, maybe Mav can prove that he's different. When King Lord blood runs through your veins, though, hmm, you can't just walk away. Loyalty, revenge, and responsibility threaten to tear Mav apart, especially after the brutal murder of a loved one. He has to figure out for himself, what does it really mean to him? to be a man i am so excited about this and if you have not read the hate you give i will reiterate that every human must read it's true if i can make it required reading for every high school literature class for every enlightened english teacher that i know yes i would do so yes it is so 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 good And that, my friends, brings us to the end of our look at January 2021. Thank you to Kristen, Natalia, Sarah, Stacy, and Brooke for picking such fantastic books this month. Thank you, as always, to Christine, who will have so much editing to do in this episode, (laughs) for all of your hard work. (laughs) And as always, we appreciate each and every one of you who joins us each week so incredibly much. 
If you would like to let us know your thoughts, you can do that by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform you use to access the show. And not only does it allow us to see your feedback, but it also helps other book lovers to find us, which is a great thing. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with more bookish fabulousness. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more discussion of great books. Take care, everybody.